Hey everyone, so glad you were joining us on this Memorial Day weekend where we remember the people who gave their lives in service to our country, enabling us to experience the freedoms we enjoy. For those of you who have served in the military and perhaps feel forgotten, we see you and we remember you as well. Thank you for your service to each of us. We all have so much to be thankful for, even in the midst of this current COVID-19 crisis. You know, one of the things that I am truly grateful for is all of our small groups, which really are the heart of our church, especially in this season when we are unable to meet as a large gathering. So if you're in a group, I encourage you to keep finding ways to connect with each other, either, either virtually or in a safe way outside. You know, one of our men's groups is meeting in the leader's driveway on Tuesday afternoons, man. And, and I know that typically in the summer, many of our small groups stop meeting, but I would strongly encourage all of our groups to keep meeting regularly this summer. We need each other. You can't do this alone. And if you're not in a group, if you're not in a small group, group, we are always looking to start new groups, even online groups. Um, so this would actually be a great time for you to jump in to community in that way. If you're interested, just go on our website and click on the groups link. So today we are finishing up a teaching series in which we've been talking about peace, how we can find peace in the midst of a storm. Now, when the Bible talks about peace, it is not simply talking about peace of mind. The Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom, which means a whole bodied peace, a peace of mind and heart and relationship. Shalom is to live in this state of wholeness not frantic with worry, not filled with relational breakdowns. No, shalom was a place of wholeness, of, of margin, of life, and healthy relationships. And so each week in this series, we've been, we've been looking at a portion of the Apostle Paul's letter to the, to the church in Philippi, in which he focuses on specific practices, specific ways that we can live in that kind of peace. Well, today we're going to focus on one final practice that can help us become people of peace. And this practice was actually something the Philippians were excelling in. They were doing this really well. In fact, at the end of this letter, Paul thanks them for how they excel in this particular area. Now, most scholars agree that there was something very special and unique about Paul's relationship with this particular church. There, there seemed to be a deep joy and affection that Paul had for these believers in Philippi. And, and we're gonna see what I believe is the primary reason for that. It's, it's the fact that their relationship was marked by generosity. There is something about generosity that pours life and joy and peace into a relationship. I mean, without a heartbeat of generosity, relationships will die as two people withdraw into their self-focused corners. I mean, you can sense it when a relationship is headed toward destruction by how generous or not generous the people are in that relationship toward each other in terms of giving of their praise or giving of their time or giving of their love. Again, generosity is a catalyst for deeper relationships. And deeper relationships are a catalyst for peace. 
So a peace-filled life and a generous life are intimately connected. So here's the idea that I wanna unpack today. If you wanna find peace, you've got to give it away. If you wanna find peace, you've gotta give it away. Peace is not something to be hoarded. It, It can't be hoarded. The more we try to hoard peace, the less peace we actually experience. Peace, by its very nature, is something to give away, and in doing so, it actually multiplies. When you give peace away, you end up with more peace, not less. Okay, so let's look at Philippians 4, beginning in verse 14. I'd like to read this this whole passage out loud, the, the entire passage we're looking at today out loud before we kind of unpack it so that we get a feel for the heart of what Paul is saying. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, this part of the letter is really a thank you note to the Philippians, thanking them for the financial gifts that they had given Paul at various times over the course of their relationship. Their relationship with Paul was marked by generosity. But instead of just saying thank you, Paul uses this opportunity to identify and kind of call out and affirm what makes a generous life. As Paul clearly articulates in this passage, the Philippians were unique in their experience of generosity. See, Paul acknowledges that of all the churches he had contact with, The Philippians were the only ones who modeled and who exuded this generous spirit. They were the only ones who tasted of this joyous, peace-filled, generous life, which is kind of sad when you think about it. I mean, God invites all of us into this open-hearted, generous way of living, and yet many people choose not to go there. Now, before I go any further, let me just address the elephant in the room. I mean, right now, our country is in the midst of an economic crisis that is impacting so many of us. And my my heart breaks for those of you who have been laid off or those of you whose hours have been reduced. I know a number of you who are in a line of work that is struggling right now. I mean, agriculture, the oil industry, or restaurants, breweries, those kinds of things. And, and I, along with so many of you, are praying so fervently and earnestly for this economy to turn around. So in light of that, it doesn't seem like the topic of generosity would be a good one to address right now. But it actually is. Because from God's perspective, generosity is not simply about money. 
Generosity is a way of living in which we give shalom to people around us through all sorts of resources that we have, our time, our expertise, our service, our things, and perhaps our finances, but it is not limited to that. I received shalom recently from a neighbor who in about 30 minutes replaced a broken post and an entire section of our fence that had blown down in the wind a couple weeks ago. That job would have taken me hours, maybe days, you know, um, but he had the tools, the expertise, the kindness to bless me with shalom. So now our dogs aren't in danger of getting out of our yard. I mean, God invites all of us into a wonderful opportunity where we enter into each day asking this question, what shalom do I have to offer others around me? How can I help bring shalom to someone in need. See, that's what was going on here with Paul. He says in verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. This word share means to partake with, to experience together. It is a highly relational word. This is not about the Philippians throwing money at a problem. This is about the Philippians being moved by a need that their friend Paul has. And as their hearts are moved, they want to share in this difficulty. They want to become a part of the solution. So they give of their resources to meet Paul's need, to help him, to bring him shalom in a tangible way. See, this is all about relationship. As I said a while ago, generosity is at the, is at the heartbeat of healthy relationships, a, a community in which, in which one person is in need and then someone else sees that need and they step in to meet that need out of a desire to share in this person's difficulty and to help bring peace to this person. I was talking with someone recently who shared about how her small group has stepped up and helped her and in, in her family in some tangible ways with, with some difficulties she's facing. They are sharing in her suffering by offering shalom. I heard about another Christ Community small group putting on a graduation for four people in their group who are graduating, but they didn't have an official ceremony. And so this group is putting a ceremony on that is awesome. See, those are the kinds of things that, 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 that describe what the church is to be like. I mean, this is what's happening um, right now. It's happening in our, our Family Connections Facebook group. People with needs are getting connected with people who can meet that need. And, and, and the reality is, and I love this about our church, so many of you are chomping at the bit to help. So many of you are chomping at the bit to just step in to someone's suffering and in some tangible way bring peace. That peace may be a meal or a mowed lawn or help with a mortgage payment or, or giving respite to some weary parents or whatever. I mean, so many of you have donated to our church's COVID-19 fund that has already been able to help people in our church who are struggling financially. I mean, it is so fun to see these kinds of things happening. Now, let me mention something obvious and yet often overlooked in this whole discussion, this whole area of generosity. The thing that makes generosity happen is when 
people are willing to admit they need help. And that's hard for many of us to do. I mean, this is something that is so fascinating to me about Paul's words here in this section. He is not afraid to admit he needs financial help. He has no problem admitting that. And in fact, he says in verse 15, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. See, notice how it takes two to tango, right? I mean, there, there, there is giving and there is receiving. Someone has to be willing to receive in order for giving to take place. And Paul, the apostle Paul, had no qualms asking for help. He had no qualms admitting that he had a need and asking people for help. How about you and me? How willing are we to admit we need some help? For many of us, that is a way bigger issue than giving. Honestly, for some of us, it is way harder to ask for help than it is to give help. And that's a problem. That's a problem, especially right now and in the weeks to come, because some of you are going to have some significant needs. You're going to be in a situation you have never been in before where you could really use some help. And what God is asking of you is to admit your need to your small group or to our church community, to ask for help. And I'm just saying there is a very willing body of believers here at Christ Community to help, but they can't help if they don't know the need. What God is inviting us into here is a way of life, a way of life in which we live like the Philippians. We let our hearts see needs around us and we step in and bring shalom, however we're able to do that. Now, what's truly fascinating about the Philippians' generosity is that it wasn't contingent on their financial situation. Now, we know that. We know this, not from the letter of Philippians. We actually know this from another letter that Paul wrote to another church in Corinth, the letter of Corinthians. In that letter, Paul was trying to encourage the Corinthians to more fully embrace this generous life. And the way he does this is by telling the Corinthians about some other churches in Macedonia. And Philippi is in Macedonia. That's where the city of Philippi is. So look at how Paul in 2 Corinthians 8 describes the Philippians and their generosity. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. This is the church of Philippi. In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. See, this is clearly a group of people who are totally lit up with generosity. I mean, even in their extreme poverty and severe trial, they are pleading with Paul 
for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. That word sharing that he uses here in 2 Corinthians 8, same, same root word as he uses in Philippians 4. This, this was not about guilt or obligation. Oh, I guess I ought to help. No, it wasn't about that. These people saw the opportunity and they wanted to bring shalom to this group of people in Jerusalem who were in need, even if it meant giving out of their own very limited supply of resources. They were begging Paul to let them give to this need because they knew their gifts were going towards real ministry happening in people's lives. I mean, we're seeing this right now with our church planters in Syria. Families there in Syria, families are given three loaves of bread every week to live on. That's it. Three loaves of bread to live on. And some of our ministry partners are going out in their neighborhood and they are giving of their meager supply of bread. They are giving of that to help people around them. Again, these are hearts that have been captured by the joy of generosity, of giving shalom to others. It has nothing to do with how much or, or how little we have. I mean, some of you are doing really well financially right now, and there's nothing to feel guilty about that. You're doing really well financially right now. And, and this is an opportunity. It is an opportunity for you to steward this moment well to step up and maybe increase your generosity given the current reality. Right now, your financial gifts to this church, for instance, are helping and enabling hundreds, even thousands more people to hear the gospel through our services online, which is awesome. Now, now for others of you, you are not doing well financially. And God also invites you to look for ways you can bring shalom to others. This is not about money. This is about a posture of the heart. When, when you know the shalom of God in your circumstances, like KJ talked about last week in the verses before this about contentment, when, when you know, when you are fully satisfied in Jesus, we, then, 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 we, then we start looking for ways to give that shalom to others through whatever resources we have to give. Our time, our expertise, our words, our love, our things. Okay, now this is all awesome, you know, there's a great principle, all awesome stuff here. But, but if you're anything like me, if you're anything like me, this kind of discussion always brings to the surface a nagging question in my heart. And maybe this question's kind of stirring up in you right now. Here's the question. What if I don't have enough? What, what if I don't have enough? What if I give my stimulus check away to someone in need and then in a few weeks realize I need that money? What if being generous now with my time or my gifts or my money means that in the future I won't have enough resources for myself? See, I think this is the biggest factor that keeps us from growing in living a generous life. And I love the fact that Paul <clears throat> deals with this specific issue in this passage by reminding us of some truths about every gift we give. Okay, so let's, let's just look at these. First of all, here's one truth. God keeps track of every generous act in order to reward you in the future. 
I know some people struggle with this idea of rewards and talking about rewards for giving because it feels so self-serving. But look, I get that, I get that. But I'm just saying, from a biblical perspective, almost every time Jesus or Paul talk about generosity, they also talk about the heavenly rewards that get stored up in response to our generous acts here on earth. I mean, here Paul says in verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. What account is he talking about? I mean, he's talking about their heavenly account. He's reminding them that whatever they have given to him is not lost in an accounting sense. It is actually credited to their account in heaven. See, there are very real treasures in heaven that are the direct results of the generosity we demonstrate in our lives here on earth. Second truth Paul reminds us of in the midst of our struggle at times to be more generous. Every generous act is an expression of worship to God. This is so cool. See, from a biblical perspective, every time we bring shalom to someone out of our, our own resources, it is more than just loving, it's more than just a loving act toward that person. It is something, that act is something that blesses the heart of God. It is something that he delights in. It brings a smile to his face. I mean, look at verse 18 here. Paul says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Now check this out. They, those gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. See, notice the Philippians financial gift to help Paul was also a fragrant offering to God. Do, do you realize when you, that when you give, you give to someone in need, that when you give to someone in need, you're actually giving to God. You are not only giving to that person, you are also giving to God. That gift to this person in need rises up as a fragrant offering to God. And whatever sacrifice is involved in our giving this gift, whatever that costs us, you know, whatever sacrifice, that sacrifice becomes an acceptable sacrifice to God. That's what Paul is saying here. I mean, think about that for a moment. Every gift you give to someone in need or to God's work through your church is at that very same moment a gift you are personally giving to God. I mean, that fact alone can significantly impact our heart for generosity. Who wouldn't want to bring joy and pleasure to God? The third truth that Paul mentions to help us move beyond our fear of not having enough God promises to meet your needs out of his abundant riches. Now, yeah, there, there are heavenly rewards. I talked about that. There are rewards for a generosity in heaven. But there is also the promise of provision now. <clears throat> now, please hear me. I'm not talking about the health, wealth, prosperity gospel of you give $1,000 and God will provide you a new Hummer or a job bonus or healing or whatever. Generosity is, is not about bargaining with God and giving in order to get, a rich, to get rich in this life. No, no, no. Generosity, rather, it's about something else entirely. It's about our faith and our trust in Jesus growing. Generosity is a strategic way to build our faith 
and our trust in God. I mean, check out what Paul says in verse 19. In fact, read this out loud with me. If you're comfortable doing so, feel free to read this with me. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul doesn't say, God might meet your needs if you're lucky. No, Paul says, my God will meet all your needs. Not all your wants, but all your needs. God will provide everything you need according to his glorious riches in Jesus. You can trust God with your resources because you can trust Jesus with your life. God's glorious riches are found in Jesus who gave his life for you and me on the cross. I mean, when our hearts get a hold of this truth that the cross reveals God's amazing generosity toward us, we realize we can be generous toward others because we have everything we need in Jesus. Now, let me add one more truth that Paul alludes to here and he specifically addresses in 2 Corinthians 8, which we read just a moment ago when describing the Philippians' generosity. Here's the fourth truth. Generosity brings overflowing joy. See, generosity and joy are intimately connected. Paul says of the Philippians in 2 Corinthians 8, look at this, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Their, their overflowing joy was connected to their generosity. So what's the connection here? Well, the other day I was watching this TED Talk on happiness, and this PhD guy from Harvard was talking about all the scientific research they've done on what makes happy people happy. And he began to talk about the impact of generosity uh, you know, just doing kind things for, other, for another person. And so he explained that in their research, they discovered that in the moment, doing something fun or giving something away had the exact same level of joy. Okay, so, so someone taking a vacation to the beach or going on a golf outing or going to a Broadway show, they obviously experienced joy in that moment, as did a person who gave something to someone else. Same level of joy. But here's what was so fascinating. Their research showed that in the days after those experiences, the level of joy experienced was completely different. So the, for, the, for the person who did something fun, the level of joy did a 90 degree plummet immediately after the activity was over. 90 degree plummet, the level of joy. But for the person who gave to someone else in need, the person who offered shalom to someone else, that level of joy continued in a straight line. It didn't plummet. It actually continued in a straight line. See, the experience of joy from being generous is something that continues in us long after the actual act of generosity. I mean, unlike doing something fun, the impact of a generous act is not lost immediately after the fact. No, the, it actually continues to bring a level of joy to our hearts. Not only our hearts, but the heart of the person that received the gift. But it continues to bring a level of joy to our hearts over a long period of time, which is a reflection of how God made us. Friends, we are wired for generosity. We are wired for generosity. 
Even though our fear often you know, tries to keep us from generosity, the reality is we were made for this. We were made for this, which is why one of the best ways to find and experience peace is by giving it away. It's by giving it away. Amen. Let's pray together. So I want to encourage you right now. We're going to just, I'm going to offer a few responses. Just heart responses to this, to what God is saying to us. And I want us to begin by, I want to encourage you just in the quiet of your heart as you're in a prayerful state here to, to take a moment and silently offer thanks to Jesus for giving his life for you on the cross. Just think about the sacrifice he made for you and thank him for his generosity toward you. Now, while we're doing that, just in the quiet of our heart, I wanna, I wanna just offer, there, there are some of you, maybe you're watching this and you have never received the generosity of Jesus for, towards you. You've never received his forgiveness, complete forgiveness and his life, his very presence living in you. And if that's you and you want to receive the gift of a relationship with him, then I, I, wanna, I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. You can pray silently, just in the quiet of your heart. Pray along with me if you want to receive Jesus right now and experience his forgiveness in life. So dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm separated from you. But I don't want to be separated from you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me to pay the penalty for my sin. And I choose right now to place my trust in you, Jesus. I ask you to forgive my sin and come live in me through the presence of your Holy Spirit, changing me from the inside out through the power of your love. God, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. I pray they would grow in their relationship with you. And let me just say to those of you who prayed that prayer, if you, if you did pray that prayer, we would love to know about your decision. So just text the number, encourage or ask you to text the number on the screen. Let us know that you made that decision just so that we can celebrate with you. Now, for all of us here, just in this prayerful time of response, I, I, want, I want you to think of yourself. Just, you're, you're, just close your eyes here. We're just um, reflecting and praying. I want you to think about yourself as a shalom carrier. You have resources that can bring shalom to others. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, would you open our eyes to see the resources we have that we can bring to others, bring shalom to others. Maybe it's finances. Maybe God's blessing you in this season financially. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's a listening ear. Maybe it's an expertise or an ability. So just take a moment and just listen to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are, this, what are some resources you've given me, you've given us that can bring shalom to other people?
And now I want you to, and just want to encourage you in the quiet of your heart, just say, Jesus, would you show me the people around me, maybe someone specifically this week that I can bring shalom to with these resources? And Lord, Lord, would you give us the courage to do that, to move toward people in need, to offer shalom to them. And one final response here, just as we're praying about this, there are some of you, um, and the question for you, I think, from the Lord is, are you willing to admit your need? Are, Are you willing to admit you have a need, or are you too proud to do that? And so I want to encourage you right now, if that's you, ask Jesus to give you the courage and humility to admit when you need help, to admit that to other people, your small group, our church family, to admit that and receive help from others. So Father, thank you for this message and for challenging us and inviting us into the adventure of a generous life and the peace of that. Help us continue to grow in this. And Father, I just want to thank you for this whole series, for all the things we've been learning over the last several weeks about how we can walk in peace. Would you help us, Lord, would you help us practice these things so that we can live in, more and more live in this peace that you long for us to experience. Thank you, Lord. So now, now, Jesus, we ask you to set our hearts free as we respond to you in worship.